episode 35 of LOI Weekly. You're very welcome with myself, Johnny Ward, and Daniel McDonald. Special guest for the first time on the podcast today, Alan Matthews, um, who managed several clubs in the League of Ireland and obviously um, still taking a very keen interest in what's going on. We'll have Neil Horgan on Skype and we'll also have Tom Moan on Skype discussing the under-19 squad ahead of their couple of friendly games next week. We're on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, at LOI Weekly on Twitter. And we also have... um, we asked you to do a load of Twitter questions, uh, which we'll get to later we'll on. We'll address the them at the, at the end of the show. We, we, I mean, Alan's keeping more than a keen interest. We'll address he, them presently. He's slightly involved with St. Patrick's Athletic as well, John. And, and slightly involved with St. Patrick's slightly, Athletic. Yeah. What are you doing with St. Patrick's I'm Athletic? I'm on the board. You're on the board. Yeah, and uh, I would uh, have worked with Harry, um, looking at opposition, um, working with Stephen in new contracts, players coming, players maybe going, looking at new targets outside of the club going forward and just basically providing whatever assistance I can um, in whatever areas I need. Uh, we're we're going to have Neil Horgan on later and one of the reasons Neil is on, he's got another book coming out about uh, a sort of Cork City tr- trilogy almost and, and you, you feature in the initial stage and I think you know that gives an insight about uh, the, the, the quirks of life as a League of Ireland manager. How you find that on, on a slightly different role, on a slightly other side, you're, you're maybe looking at a manager who's going through a lot of the stresses that you can relate and identify with. So yeah. how do you find it in this sort of slightly more removed role? Very much empathise with them on a Friday night. Um, good, bad or indifferent. Um, it's a tough job and it's got even harder over the last couple of years, I think, particularly with the explosion of social media and just the expectation of now. Everything has to be delivered now. Um, people aren't really given opportunity maybe to, to build something and grow everybody's demanding success and only one team can win the league and only a couple of teams can qualify for Europe. So there's pressure on. Um, I love the game and I love being involved in the game and whatever experience I've I've picked up, I'm more than willing to share and and will share with anybody. But I just think that um, it's a tough job. Um, You've got to get the right character, you've got to get the right group and culture within your team to be successful. I think we've seen it with Dundalk over the last couple of years that they've got that and they've been able to evolved and developed that and Vinny's come in this year Vinny played for me in Longford for a couple of years and like you know it's a tough job for him to come in and pick the mantle up after Stephen Kenny he's got two out of three already in the bag this year but when you deal with good pros Neil Horgan you referenced earlier on he's one of them um, it makes the job easier and it, it helps you develop a, a dressing room with good values and, and good you know just good good culture to enable you win and some of the clubs over the years have let themselves down. Some of the players, managers, we've all let ourselves down. But ultimately, I think when you have a passion for the game, you, you want to stay involved and you stay involved in whatever way um, you, you can at that particular time. I mean, you know, we're coming towards the end of the season and there, I'm, there is a European battle going on. Pats are engaged in it, but... It is strange. It's, it's, it feels a bit flat the season generally because, you know, dude, I was just talking to someone earlier on about oh, what are the games this weekend? And they're almost like, oh, yeah, what are the games this weekend? Like, often around this October international break, like the league title would have been up for grabs. And it is unusual. I mean, there's a 17 point gap now between the Dock and Shamrock Rovers. And at the bottom, as much as Finn Harps have a chance of catching Cork and UCD have a chance of catching Finn Harps, I think, I don't think anyone's really envisaging that. Um, there is that race for third, fourth, fifth, but what's your take as someone who managed in the league during quite a competitive era where things changed around? I know there was financial reasons for maybe the change around at times, but what's your just general take on on where the league is at at the moment in terms of the gulf, the differences between top, bottom, middle? Where where, where does it stand from your perspective? I think it's widened. Definitely think it has. Uh, You'd Cork and 
Dundalk the last number of years and they were on their own. Rovers tried to bridge that gap. They have done it this year. And then you're looking at Bowes, Derry, Pats, Sligo, all the way down to, to the end of the league. Um, there's a bigger gap, um, I think, in just the quality week in, week out. I've seen a lot of matches. I've seen, you know, Dundalk practically every week in the first series of games. And you could just see that they were getting stronger and stronger and they were ultimately better than everybody else. And that's been proven by the points gap that they have on second and third. There's a huge mm. gap between, you know, at this, what is it, 30 points between? Yeah, t- t- 30 points between first and third. third. I mean, that that is, is, a is a huge gap. And you alluded to it previously when I when I was involved with, with clubs. There was a, a cohort of maybe five, six clubs, but certainly five clubs who were all competing to try and win the championship and get to Europe. That isn't the case now. Um, you have Dundalk. Rovers are the best place to go and try and catch them, if you like. Um, the Cork fall this year um, is probably not predicted, but very difficult for them to sustain where they were and get to the next level without serious investment and, and that didn't mm. seem to come in at the start of the year. I certainly didn't expect to see them fall to the level they have. But the pitches have improved, some of the stadiums have improved, um, some of the actual uh, big game atmosphere that's been created around some of the, the bigger matches with Dundalk, Rovers, Bows, that's a positive to the league. But I just still think that you must, I don't know, looking forward from yesterday's meeting with the clubs, there's plans for a breakaway six and then a second tier of eight and a third tier of six clubs being involved. I don't know where the yeah, league is going to go. Yeah, you know? that, that would be, uh, just just to explain that, because you, you had something scribbled down in a piece of paper here, and, and this is the format that is the most popular at the moment. This is where we stand that, uh, now there's a few things to consider because uh, Kieran Lucid is still making his presentation. It's still in the background. The club, then, yeah. but, and, and in many respects to me, the idea of format is, is secondary to well, who runs the league and who finances it. And really, you can have two tens, an eight, a twelve. You can do, you can talk whatever if that if, if those f- fundamental things don't change. But the the thing that's top of the agenda at the moment is yeah that that during the season there would be a split. So you have the two ten team divisions to start, and then the top six at a particular point it would be after two, two rounds two rounds of games. Yeah. Um, and there was a debate around where the points stand with the, after the two rounds would you, would you have the points would you retain your points would you wipe the points um, the top six would go off into their own Champions League for want of a better term then the bottom four in the Premier Division the top four in the first would go into their own eight team league where of course they would have to start afresh with the bottom four going down and starting the next season in the 10 and then the bottom six in the first division just cut, cut adrift into a plate competition yeah. basically it's um, there's a lot of if, buts and maybes There's around There's a lot it. to it. And I think the point you said, which is the key one, who's going to take ownership of the league? Someone needs to grab it. And that's the key, I think, to take... That stands above everything ownership. else, really, doesn't Absolutely, it? Yeah. You, know, you yeah. can talk like about Kieran Lucid's one. It's great, um, very positive. Noel Quinn wanted to come in and do something with it. He didn't really have any detail on it. These are a number of other proposals that the clubs themselves have put on the table. But ultimately, until someone actually comes in um, with, with reserves and with resources to go and drive the league and take ownership of it, it's going to wallow around, I think, as it is. Mm. Um, the age profile of player has definitely dropped and it's great to see young players coming in and being given a chance to play. But if we go down that route, I think you will basically take up the top six the remainder are all playing for nothing, really. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I'm, it's actually good to just write down when the you teams, look at it. as you have. Yeah. So you would have had a scenario this year. And I actually don't think this is the worst idea in terms of 
if you have a title race, you know. But the problem is that, like, you'd have done Dark Rovers, Derry, Bowes, St. Pats, and Sligo. They would be now playing each other again twice towards the end of the season. It's the middle one where it's uh, Waterford, Cork, Finn Harps, UCD, Shells, Drada, Longford, and Cavan Teeley. Now, it's, you know, eight teams would be 14 games. Cork would have loved that. Well, yeah. I mean, Cork this year possibly would have been a bit of excitement because mm. they're, they're playing so poorly. How would they have fared? But... In another year, you'd have a team like Waterford and Cork you think would be comfortably good enough and then you know, their season loses momentum. I think there's something in this plan about keeping it fresh till the end of the season. Like My point is, this season has gone very stale with the exception of the European race. Like you're looking at the, We could run through the results of Friday. There's been very few goals. It's just... just like, it's it's let's just but let's, let's, one little scenario. Yeah, go for it. Let's just take Sligo out of the equation and bring Shelbourne into that. Mm. Just call it the East Coast League. The top six, you yeah. You've Derry, and then you've done Dark Rovers, Bows, Pats, mm. and Shells. Mm. That could happen. Mm. Yeah, is that going to be something that will work? I think this is all. It's kind of like when you've when you've a really dodgy engine in a car and you keep repainting the car. Like it's not going to fix the bloody engine. It's and not going to fix the problem. Um, like. So my my yeah my I, I I actually don't really have any issue with. I think the ten and the ten and what they've done the first vision works well for for apart from Drogheda having to wait forever to play their playoff game. <laughs> um, but I suppose the problem is when there's no prize money. It would say Karen Luce's idea involves like quite a, an egalitarian distribution of prize money, which would give other clubs the chance to progress. Um, because the top two are the top two because of their budget, really. It's nothing to do with the manager, really. It's not like the you know. There's all this chat about the manager, this the manager, that. Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers have bigger wages than the other teams. They can get the best players comfortably, you they know. Can get the best players. And uh, until such time as uh, obviously you know, if European money will be big for Bowes, it will be big for Pats, it will be big for Derry. But um, as Dan alluded to, it, it it has been a flat campaign, and it is a concern. Um, I think you need to fresh. Like I mean, the, I mean, something the, needs to happen. Interesting. Uh, the sorry, whole the whole I, basis for that, sorry, yeah. Johnny, is that naturally we want to get a better TV deal and a yeah. better a better sponsorship arrangement. And I think the problem you face if you're doing a TV deal now for the current league and like these are the games coming into the climax of the mm. season where there's, there's games that people don't really want to watch mm. you know like mm. as much as we build up and Pat's Bowes will be a really good you know the, the Pat's play Derry as well along yeah. so that's the last week in the season dog, the last you know, week. Yeah. so there are games but you know the idea is that you sell it to a company and say when you come to the end of the season you'll have some kind of decision day where mm. teams can go up and down there's you know the, the idea of a Europa League playoff has been thrown Something around like that, yeah. there's, there's a cross-border cup the, thing this year that you actually need to be guaranteed at climax at the end of the season to say well for your deal you will get a bit of bang for your buck rather than just getting the rights yeah. to show games in a league where unfortunately some weeks yeah. the better sides people want to watch more of than Dawkins and Rovers maybe but it's not great if they're winning very easily it's yeah. not It's not a great product to, Who's to, bottom of the first to pay for it um, Wexford so you, you kind of had to think about it there yeah. because it's just it's it's Wexford at loan. It's Wexford at loan. I think it's Wexford, Wexford right? Okay, I'm not even sure. Yeah. I got a call from uh, a guy completely out of the blue last Friday who, who who is involved in a provincial club and is wondering what it would cost and what it would be like to get involved in the League of Ireland. And it'd be great if you had some system like that where there was like proper relegation, which Kieran Lucid again um, kind of envisaged. But Dan, you, you yeah, to have when the representatives of clubs have been, you know. The, the, the clubs that are represented in the underage leagues at the mm. moment so Carlo Kenny 
Kerry, there's definitely been uh, talks about a Kerry team, and I, I've, I've mentioned in print that John, I think Caulfield. John Caulfield was involved in discussions. I think there's an ex Cork City chairman and people mm. just involved, but it's just general discussions. It's chat and then Mayo and, and the other team. They need huge but financial we, incentive to well, get well, involved. The, you know? the problem is, you can see, I, I'm not a fan of this expand a 20 team league. I, I just don't think you can have your top professional teams playing against amateur teams. Mm. I just don't think you can do that. Mm. But uh, a big problem that that, that the, the clubs coming in face is that you need to give them uh, some sort of glamour to come in. And if your first exposure to, to the League of Ireland is the first division, that's not a great exposure to it for fans, for people to come in and actually mm. gain an attachment with the club. So that's the dilemma. If you bring new clubs in, you probably do want them to get the chance to play with Dundalk or a Rovers mm. or a, you know, a Bowes or a Derry or whoever, uh, and they don't get that opportunity. But But... This is a, a debate that you've probably heard this for twice as long as we yeah. have, just purely on the basis of age. Yeah. You know, it's the same. Sure, it's the it's same, the same debate. Yeah, you know? it is. Yeah, one of the things with Kieran Lewis's proposal is that the distribution of of the money is is far wider and greater. Based on the Premier League model, actually. Absolutely. Mm. So what it means is that clubs aren't chasing that European. You know, Pats, Derry, um, Bows are all clamouring to try and get that towards. But if you get it, great. If you don't get it, okay, you mm. haven't got any second prize. On his model and the way he has it structured, you don't necessarily have to get there. To It's a huge financial gain because you're going to get it, but you're going to get some element of reward for your good season anyway, yeah. whereas you don't in, in the current model. We'll, we, will, we will come back to this because Neil Horgan's coming on. I should mention on. as well, I, I uh, invited Andrew Johnson of the NIFL to come on, and Andrew's been very helpful this season uh, to me, but he declined at this time. So the, the All-Ireland League, Dan, I don't know where we're at at the moment. Yeah, well, there's a meeting in Dundalk, but I mean, the, the problem, the All-Ireland League, as far as from my understanding, is that there's still... Uh, the Southern clubs would still have extreme doubts about the commitment that exists amongst the Northern clubs that they're very willing to come to the debates and discussion. And to be fair, Southern clubs are doing this too. Mm. They're very willing to talk about it, but until these... Uh, There's some uh, hard decisions to yeah, be made. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's a real difficult one. I mean, you're talking about like disbanding two leagues in, in, a, in, a, in a way, and there's just there's a feeling that, yeah, of course people want to hear what you've got to offer, but are, is there a full commitment there? And... Like, there's a lot of pressure to make a decision now that if you go with Kieran Lucid say and say yeah we give you we empower you to represent us but then you're left in a couple of months with well actually sorry the buy-in hasn't come from north of the border then where where are we at you know so um, there's, there's, there's problems but we will come back to it Neil Horgan's book is called Crossroads titled as such because you know the league here might be at a crossroads but we should I mean it's an international week this week and um, I mean thankfully there's League of Ireland players involved at all teams, at all age groups, right through to Jack Byrne travelling. Uh, Roberto Lopez, of course, is away with Cape Verde Islands as well. Um, and then we have obviously representation in the 21s with, with uh, injuries of obviously uh, taking Dara Leahy out of the equation and then down to 19s level. And Tom Mowen has named a number of under 19 players in the squad and we did have a chat with him earlier on just to, uh, I guess, get a, get a handle on where things were at with him. Tom, how are you? Johnny, not bad. How are you? Not too bad. I believe you actually met um, Alan Matches beside me here in quite sad circumstances recently. The funeral of Noel Melvin, who of course would have played League of Ireland and tragically uh, passed away very, very young recently. So I believe you have met at that quite recently. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Uh, very sad circumstances. Uh, Noel's funeral. Uh, and uh, it was such a, such a shock to everybody and, you know, one more so than the family, but to the foot, football community in the Monaghan Cavan area and indeed throughout Ireland. Uh, he was a great fella, Noel, a great League of Ireland player. And uh, I would have had probably a lot of contact with Noel when I was a development officer in, in the Cavan Monaghan region. And um, Noel's young son, Mark, would have played on the Emerging Talent squads. 
so he was a regular at, at sessions and going to tournaments and him and his wife Kathy they were always at the tournaments and helping out and a great fella massive miss now and uh, it's very very sad like you know yeah Dan you were a very big fan of him as well you were telling me oh yeah well I, I would have dealt with Noel a bit when I was a kid covering Dundalk matches Oriel and, uh, Webb and he would have been very uh, obliging and helpful and I mean I know like you just you're, you're repeating yourself here in terms of the shock but I mean he was also someone that was always in great physical condition I think he played a Legends match not long ago uh, with Dundalk and he was in great nick but just a, you know, a great guy you mm. know and it's very hard to I don't know, to, to, to sort of uh, put that stuff. I know you, you use all these phrases about putting things in perspective and whatever it might be, but it was just uh, just a shocking thing, really, wasn't it, Alan? I mean, it really uh, was. And, and I have a slightly different relationship with Noel. Um, I worked with Noel. Um, through the bank, was it? worked with Noel for 15 years in the bank. He came in um, a couple of years after I joined us the bank. I would have played against Noel. I had a cup of coffee with him on the Wednesday before he tragically passed on the Sunday. Oh, and... Uh, as Dan said, he was in terrific physical condition. He was in better nick, and I would have slagged him off. Better nick now than he was when he was playing. Mm. He was carrying less weight, and he was, you know, he was the epitome of health. And it's just so sad. Myself and Tom were just chatting about that um, at the funeral. That you know, you, you put things into perspective. You look at things. He was a great family man. Uh, loved League of Ireland. Um, loved you know the uh, the camaraderie that he built up with, with people over the years, and that was reflected at the funeral. There was players from. The Monaghan team he played with 20-odd years ago, people from Harps, people from Dundalk, and just everybody had the same story. Um, that is just a very, very sad day, and you just hope that his wife and family can mm. try to piece together the rest of their lives and go on. But um, a, a guy that was respected, both in work, hugely respected in Ulster Bank. He had a, a number of different roles, worked in branches, worked in training, um, and was well-liked and well-respected in, in every area that he was. So... The bank certainly felt it when we went in. I got the call on the Sunday afternoon. When we went in on the Monday, um, a lot of people were, were in shock and huge turning out on the Tuesday and Wednesday from the bank to support Noel's family. So we move on with our lives. We just hope that his family and, and friends and close associates get together and, and pick the rest of their lives up going forward. Yeah, we had the death of uh, Tony Itzi as well recently, who was another um, very, very familiar League of Ireland figure. Tom, what part of the world are you in? I'm in Dublin at the moment, just waiting on a squad to come in, Johnny. Uh, we're meeting up. We play Denmark on Friday and Monday. So um, just waiting now that everybody comes in fitting well. Yeah, we've uh, we've obviously picked, you've picked a squad and we've quite a strong uh, League of Ireland representation, which is, I suppose, chiefly why, why we are talking to you. Um, starting off with Sean Bowen, who's a Bohemian's goalkeeper, um, as well as that, actually, no League of Ireland defenders, uh, apart from Ronan Boyce uh, from Derry City. Um, and then in midfield, strong League of Ireland representation in the form of Donald Higgins, uh, Dawson Devoy of Bohemians, Donald Higgins of Galway United, and then up front, a couple of uh, very promising players, uh, Thomas Lua, who I saw recently for Shamrock Rovers, and Ross Tierney, who I've seen a little bit of uh, for Bohemians as well, who's making his mark. I don't think I've left anyone out there, have I? No, I think that's that's everybody, yeah. Um, I come here, all the lads have, have been doing very well recently, like, you know, and most of them have been playing, you know, first-team football, and old Thomas has been in and out, of, you know, been on the, on the bench at Rovers, maybe come on a few times, and uh, Sean, the same with Bowes, maybe on the bench now and again, but the, the other lads have, have been involved a fair bit recently with the first teams, which, come here, it's, it's massive for the players' development. Once they're in the changing room with good senior pros, they learn so much, and come here, you're playing under pressure, you're playing against men, you're playing with men, so, 
that's the real test and, and the boys have done really well like you know so I'm looking forward to them coming in and obviously a number of the boys will come in until Saturday because they're you know they're they're, they're involved on Friday night yeah, uh, so the, the opening match will be in the showgrounds Friday, October 11th at 7pm. That's uh, upcoming, followed by the second game on Monday, October 14th. Just from um, a Galway United perspective, um, I, I know... It's I, always a Galway United perspective. It is, yeah. it, is, it is when they get a player Shameless. in an Ireland Shameless. squad, which is very rare. Um, obviously, a, a particular Galway man by the name of Connolly is in the news a bit of late, but Donald Higgins, he's made a good impression on you, obviously, and um, it's been very well received, I know, in Galway to get a recognition like this. Yeah, Donald Donald done really well and I've seen him playing, you know, I could see him playing three times uh, this season and uh, every time he's been very impressive and he's he's a fairly versatile player too, like he can play in a number of positions, which is also a great benefit of, you know, anybody in the international squad. Uh, so no, I'm really looking forward to, to Donald coming in and uh, obviously he's played last year at the end of the season with the under eighteens with Andy Reid's squad. And uh, done done really well in that game also against Turkey. So come here, it's it's an opportunity for Donald, an opportunity for everybody else. There's a number of new lads coming in that haven't been capped before as well. So come here, the door opens. Alan, you mentioned you you would be very familiar with Dawson Devoy's stories. Someone who's probably come onto the radar of say League of Ireland senior watchers in the in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, it's a great story. Um, I would know Dawson's mom, Emer quite well uh, and his granddad George Wilton and his, his grandmother Sadie uh, they'd be extremely proud of him um, Kevin's boy went to Watford as a 16 year old didn't really fancy it didn't like it his man moved over thing for six weeks to stay with him try and bed him in that was last year so around this time last year he came back picked up the uh, the reins again went back to school started playing with his friends ended up with the Bow 17 squad and now ends up in the first team squad I've seen him playing a couple of times He's kind of a 10, um, central player likes to get forward, and he, he's, he's done really well, um, forcing himself in. Tom, I would imagine, I've seen him play on numerous occasions, and uh, it's just a good story because he's picked up the pieces um, when he came back home from Watford, not a failure, but wasn't for him, he's knuckled down, got his game going again, is in the Bowes Force team and is playing, as Tom said, with men now, and is able to hold his own. So hopefully he'll do well. But I know his family will be extremely proud and delighted uh, that he's bounced back the way he has. What do you make of him, Tom? He's technically a very good player. Uh, there's no doubt. And uh, as Alan says, like, you know, he showed good character coming back in, into the league and, and Bose has been a good move for him. Uh, so no, looking forward to, to Dawson coming in. And um, and it's a very competitive area. You know, that, that number 10 position where he likes to play, you know, you, you've Conor Grant, Conor Noss, you've Dawson, you, you've Ross Tierney. And um, come here, some of the boys can, you know, obviously play in different positions too. So uh, it's it's a high level area, but he's he's shown real qualities, uh, and especially over the last probably uh, four to five weeks, especially in the first team. Like, take one of the things, Tom. You see, with lads who are playing senior football, they've no fear. They go out and play. They go and do. They're encouraged to go and play at at a you know a good level. Um, by the coaches and managers that they have. But you, you, you'll see this, I would imagine, and I've seen it with your home under 19 team. The lads that play in those areas that are technical players, they're playing there with no fear because they're, they're confident enough in their own ability. Absolutely, like you know, when the managers, you know, the managers put trust on them to go in and play, you know, with their senior team. And if you look at the likes of Bowes at the minute, like you know, they're they're fighting for European place. So you know, it's a case that 
case you know under pressure to get results but he still trusts these lads to put them in which is which is brilliant and obviously the Bulls 19s playing in Europe there last week and you know doing very well also so come here uh, it's it's great that lads are getting that chance to go and play first team football Tom what's the benefit of a, a week like this for you because obviously the, the nature of your job is that players come and go very quickly like a lot of your 19 side that you've been through a you know a, a journey with I guess in the summer they've moved on to the, to the 21s and I mean, being friendlies, you've got guys coming in that have attracted headlines. You know, Nar- Harvey Neville, Jamie Bowden, there's Armstrong, Okaflex, uh, Connor Noss, you mentioned, is in Germany. Like, is this just a week to just, I don't know, get to know people, see how they work, see how they operate? Like, what's, what do you get from this? Uh, this is a massive week, Daniel, because, you know, obviously we have the qualifiers coming up in November and it's a case now of narrowing the squad down to you know to 20 players for those qualifiers and it, a lot of it this week is player identification you know like we, we, we will try you know to get our system and style in place and, and get the players to buy into that and you know what players how well they can buy into that but obviously to see their you know their ability their temperament you know how they perform under pressure and they will be under pressure you know they, they'll want to get in so bad like but it's a massive these friendly games are massive and I've, you know I've obviously I've overloaded the squad as, as high as I possibly can with players because it just you need to see them in this environment because I mean, the nature of international football, as we know, there's players who are dual eligible. This is something you deal with. You mean know, you deal with these questions all the time. And um, with some of the players in particular this week, is there an element of? I mean, do you know that they're committed to being around next month? That, that they come in this week, it shows that they're interested in being in the involved in the more meaningful games. Absolutely, you know, I haven't yet seen a young player coming into an international event, you know, that hasn't, you know, wanted to be in the next squad, like, mm. and you know the importance of it themselves, you know, the pride in playing for the country, you know, we can't underestimate that, like, you know, it's it's not every day of the week to get an opportunity to put the green jersey on, like, plus also for their own personal development and their own careers, it's 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 massive that they, they you know, they play international football. Yeah, just the, um, the the League of Ireland players that have come in as well, it obviously is it's encouraging for them that, you know, you look at the likes of Tierney, who's recently enough made his debut and scored against UCD for Bowles, but it's encouraging that from, from Ross Tierney, I suppose, to Jack Byrne, that being in the League of Ireland isn't necessarily an impediment to getting into an Ireland squad. No, that's the great thing. I suppose, you know, Jack has, you know, reinforced that as well, you know, and that, you know at the highest level, like, you know, that senior international football that you go on. It's, it's been great for Jack. He's come back and he's lit up the League of Ireland and um, it's been a great move, move by Rovers and uh, reignited Jack's career. And if you look, you know, right through, you know, the under-21s as well and right the whole way down and our under-17 squad, the last get-together, was a, a, a big percentage of League of Ireland players in the in the squad, like you know, and I keep saying it. There's massive work going on in in League of Ireland, you know, with our underage structures, and you know, there's there's fellas around three, four, five times a week, you know, whatever possible, what the resources allow. We we just we just need you know, obviously we need more money pumped into our academies, like you know, and that's it's easy saying that maybe obviously people can say oh the FA have got to give more money, but the money's not there. It's got to come from somewhere. And I look at other countries around Europe and what, you know, governments are putting a lot of money into into countries, into their academies, like and they're getting rewards. So we've we've got to get more money for academies. Absolutely, I, th- I think you've put the nail on the head there. Interesting times as well with the budget obviously being announced. You're, you'll obviously be hoping for uh, some uh, nice attendances in Sligo as well, which they've had a couple of recently. Yeah, it's a great you know Sligo's a, you know it's a great place for games. I know the under twenty ones used to play there fairly regularly. It was a home venue, and um, 
the Sligo fans came out in, in great numbers and I remember from playing there myself too there was always a, a great atmosphere very passionate it's a great football town Sligo mm. and you know there's great clubs in and around Sligo people doing a lot of work and you always see in Sligo Rovers or they're doing fundraisers or maybe the, the club is into it a bit, a bit of bother they'll come out and they'll back it like they come out in the numbers and you know we're hoping for a, a good support from Sligo now on Friday night and get behind the boys and thanks a million for coming on Tom Cheers, Johnny. Top man. Cheers, Tom. So we're now going to go to Neil Horgan, um, who is uh, on the verge of having written his third League of Ireland-related uh, football book, which is quite incredible, really. Released um, it, John. I've, I've read it. Release? Release? Sorry, I've yes. It. I've read it. Are you going to give me a lend of that one, too? Um, did I give you a lend of Second City? You did. Yeah, what was, yeah. Your, what was your review? Um, how are you, Neil, anyway? <laughs> yeah. I'm good, I'm good. Loans aren't allowed, you know. Uh, with books, you have to buy no. your own ones. That's how it's Actually, that's I never, I never give them yeah. back. Uh, Eamon Sweet. You met him for the first time recently. The media, There's only know? one Red Army, the Sligo Rovers book. Somebody lent that to me. I can't even remember who lent to me, but I know one thing: I don't have it anymore. Right. right okay. So maybe I give it to someone. Who knows, Alan? Maybe I give it to you back in the old. Great could book. Have been. Could have been. So Neil, the, the third book is. I mean, for people who haven't read the first two, and Alan Matthews does feature in number one. So it was Dead of a Football Club was number one. Second City was number two, and this one is titled Crossroads. And for people who haven't read them, it's obviously there's a diary feel to the first two, a, a real diary of a chronological yeah. sort of period in Cork's history. This this new one, it's it's part diary, but it's more part commentary on the state of Irish football at the moment. Is that a, a fair way of describing it? Yeah, I think it is. It's, it's a mix of, of kind of the state of Irish football at the moment together with continuing on the, the, the diary format and I suppose interview format that the other two had. Um, so it kind of brings readers up to speed as of the AGM or the FEI had um, back in August. Um, so I, I suppose it's my commentary on um, on the state of affairs from, a, I suppose, a League of Ireland point of view, a, a Cork City player having come through all those things we came through with, with Alan when he was there um, and, you know, Paul Doolan subsequently and up and downs. And I suppose this book also features the, the rise of um, the Fans Run Club of Cork City which is a real, you know, triumph, really, you know, even though results mightn't be great on the pitch, it's still a triumph down here that, you know, the club is going well. Um, so, the, 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 I suppose the viewpoint from from that to what's happening in the FBI, I suppose, is just that, that frustration and, and the, the, the difference between what's going on in the League of Ireland versus, I suppose, some of the things that were going on in the FBI is, is, is very clear in the book, you know. What's your what's your take on that actually? Because we Daniel Lambert uh, from Bowes, he the poll on Twitter, which asked, "Do you want your club to be run by fans and win intermittently, uh, or do you want it to be run?" Um, you know, that's by, just a dig at the Dermot Desmond. It was. So I just want to mention the Dermot Desmond thing, but um, the, the fan old model. What, what what's your conclusions in relation to that? Because you've obviously a completely different scenario between Bowes and Rovers, for example, and Cork City will be in the Bowes camp in terms of the running of things. Well, I suppose like the fans saved the club down here. Like, mm. there's no, there's no two ways about it. Um, and you know, there's huge, you know, debt of gratitude from be it players or other fans or you know, just just Irish football generally that they've stepped in and did it. So, I suppose it comes to a point where uh, you know they. I, I don't think we're at that point yet. Maybe with with Forest and 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 the fans around club that you, you you have a look at whether you need to bring in investment from outside. Um, I suppose with John Caulfield, he got the money from Europe and, you know, his success at the time was fantastic and, and kept things going. But there is that question, I suppose, if you want to go further and you want to grow or if you want to compete, I suppose, with Dundalk, with their investment or, 
you know, the stories about Shamrock Rovers, then you have to consider at some point whether you're going to open up, you know, to an investor. I think possibly my view on it is, you know, it's probably too soon for Forrest to do that. Still early days, let them kind of, you know, figure out what's going on. You know, the, the club is just getting over John Coffey-Lira really and, and Neil mm. Fenn coming in. But in due course, I think where they have to be now is probably, and I've spoken to a few people about this, is, is probably keeping an eye on, you know, attractive suitors that they should bring in so that they make the choice of the right people coming in rather than mm. the other way around. <laughs> They've uh, had a bit of bad history in that regard, time, yeah. Yeah. Neil, how are you? It's Alan here. Um, Hi, Alan. From your end down on the ground, down in Cork, is there much of a, you know... Um, a support mechanism there for for new investment to come in, and um, you know when we were there, we seen it through good and bad. I suppose we started off well and then it went bang, and we were right in the middle of it in the year. Yeah. Um, I was there, so we've spoken about this ourselves. But and the you know the the fanon base was was the right way forward, and it did save the club. Now, having had all the success over the last number of years, and unfortunately dropping down significantly off that perch, if you like, is there any groundswell of support for bringing in outside investment which is making Forrest look over the shoulders um, not really I, I don't think that's what the, the, the discourse is at the moment down in Cork it's more get get it right on the pitch lads you know I think we have enough players there who like they haven't won a game since Neil Fenn has come in and like there's better players there than, than what they're showing I suppose and I think that's what the discourse is at the moment get over Friday night against UCD get out of um, you know a potential relegation dogfight which is still there uh, to some extent, uh, in respect of Finn Harps. But the, the other issue in respect of bringing in money, I think I think people who kind of in the know kind of know that it's probably an issue that's going to come up in the next few years. It's probably not an issue right now. Okay, it's not, it's um, not that, imminent, and it's not something yeah. that's, that's you know, like on the yeah. go Okay. What do you make of the... We were, we were just talking before about the potential of the... The cross border league. I know. I think we might have spoken with you about it on the show before, yeah. Neil. Around the time it was coming out, but there's obviously a lot more talks ongoing now. And and, and what's your sense of uh, as we face maybe another tweak of a format, you know, uh, a different different structure of a, of a league season here? I mean, what's your take generally on, on what should happen now? Yeah, well, I suppose overall, I, I've always been in favour, I think, of the All-Ireland League. I think, uh, well, f- for as long as I can remember, the concept, you know, um, there was a point where I, I was going away differently. <laughs> and I, I was I was thinking Munster, you need a Munster kind of Leinster breakup or breakdown of, of, of clubs. But then I kind of saw sense and saw, actually, we need to preserve the heritage of the clubs we have. And the best way of doing that would potentially and, and allow for growth could could potentially be in all Ireland league. And I haven't I haven't moved from that position myself. I think you know there's a lot of barriers there, but that could happen. Whether now is the right time or not, I don't know. I, like, um, there's a lot of things in the background here, um, that need to be solved in terms of the FAI and and building back the trust with everybody. Um, so look, I I'm I'm all in favour of it. Um, I do think we're at a crucial juncture in Irish football, so maybe it is the right time to, to have this discussion. Um, like the the book title is the crossroads. It's because we it's, we are at that crucial juncture. I think where um, it's either we start looking at the League of Ireland and the Women's League and really develop it, and uh, or, or we never will. That's my view. I think now is the time or, or never. Whether the All Ireland League. Is part of that right now, or is part of that in five-year, ten-year, you know, a plan towards that? That's probably the. I would say that the, the probably rational response is probably, you know, plan towards that for 10, 15 years, but have a real plan, 
And like I, I was, you know, encouraged by Noel Mooney. I'm biased here, and like Noel Mooney played with, I played with Noel, you know, back in in 2000 with Cork City. He was a goalkeeper, but you're he did not like Paul Radcliffe. Anyway, you're you're happy to actually say the potential conflict of interest that does exist, which is which is grand. We let you away. With. <laughs> I have to <laughs> caveat that one. But, um, it's legal. Um, <laughs> he did make mention, and I haven't heard this before from people, I suppose, in the upper echelons of the FAI, of you know the the potential for a professional football industry here like that just that phrase hasn't been there and we've all been screaming for it it just hasn't reached the higher up uh, clans as far as well, I've, I've seen it mentioned that and as well this, this is a key point when you look at Pascal Dunahoo and his budget and Pascal Dunahoo is a fairly regular visitor to Daily Mount Park there's such a, a kind of a paucity of leaders within the league to promote it now and we had the Nile Quinn Consortium which was uh, taken out of the race but now is kind of back in the race but in fairness to the Nile Quinn Consortium uh, and Kieran Lucid it's like we need professionals running this properly and then you could go to government and say well listen we could have a proper industry here absolutely absolutely i, I mean there's lots of a screaming i suppose alan and i went through a period when all right it was the boom and whatever but you could see the potential um with the players that we were able to produce through that era of professionalism so it just took like that was clubs doing i go over this is old ground that was clubs doing it on their own so imagine if everyone was behind it i like i look back and say wow what we could have achieved had the you know the FBI really been behind the League of Ireland at the time during that period even you know um so there there is huge potential for uh, a, you know a bespoke soccer industry here professional soccer industry we're not looking at trying to recreate a team that's you know championship or premiership size level we're talking you know the level that that you know our population probably dictates but that 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 is way above where we are now in my opinion and also you know coincide with that the women, women's football and you saw what happened last night and the, the the crowds there's a lot of excitement about the Cork City women's team here in Cork uh, as well um, so it, there's huge opportunities there and, and you, I think you're right Johnny I think we probably have to get the right people involved to really lead this and, and go forward with it because it's a huge opportunity there's so many people play soccer in Ireland um, and, and I have a big issue with the FAI in respect of all right, they're, they're, they always come out with that one when it's when it seems to suit, and then as soon as we talk about a domestic league, there's we come up with all these unique challenges that the GA is, you know, you know, taking over. <laughs> so you can't have it both ways. I think I think look going forward, um, I think it's probably the crucial juncture is that we probably need to all get together at some stage. I, I know there's been work towards that, and and moving away from what's happened over the last ten years, which is probably some of it is put in my book, um, and I, I think that's sports journalists as well. I mean, they, they've been given an awful hard time, like just kept out of the, in the dark. So, so the transparency going forward, this is something we could do. Like we're not talking crazy. We're talking actually just progressing as a, 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 a domestic industry here where, you know, our best and brightest footballers are, are kept here while they're, you know, while they're having their education. And it's something we could all be proud of. And, and that's, that's not, that's not a dream like that's not a, 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 an unachievable dream I opinion. think it's achievable Neil um, I yeah think I think it's achievable it is I don't think you, you hit the nail on the head if we kind of pitch ourselves and look at um, League 1 League 2 clubs in the UK um, some of the regional clubs yeah. I know have gone to the wall and Bolton were struggling but they're the outliers the really. basket cases absolutely you don't need 10, 12, 15,000 people you need three or 4,000 people if you can generate that level of, of support on a fortnightly basis to come through your gates with local connect locally um, particularly with you know businesses obviously but schools and supporters and generate a new way if you go to any of the matches used to our League of Ireland fellas right go to any of the matches 
you don't really see new supporters coming in. It's the same people nearly Except sitting in the same. Really. They've worked it. Yeah. Okay, mm. you look at all the other clubs need to take responsibility. Cork would have generated that, Neil. When we were there, we got good crowds. Yeah. Went a little bit wayward. It came back again. How many new supporters have come mm. onto the club um, in, John, say, John's era, John Caulfield's era? I would imagine there's a multiple of, of new fans have come on board. To keep yeah. them there... Um, you need to give them good football, you know, um, good product every week, but playing in good facilities, playing in, in, in grounds where people will be happy to go and watch. You don't need an yeah, awful lot. I agree with you, Alan. And I, I think actually, you know, they talk in marketing how the, the, the getting a new supporter is harder than keeping one, you know, that whatever that's called, relationship marketing. Or So I, I think actually there's, there's a big big group of people as well who were supporters of, of League of Ireland years ago. Like it's huge in Cork, like the the support base that Cork Caves and Cork Celtic had, and if you could key into some of those people again, they come back. They come back very quickly, if they thought that the the you know the standard was what it should be and the stadium is what it should be. You Don't know, show them the league table. Not at the moment. But one, <laughs> exactly. One of the that. things, Neil, again, we talk about you talk about marketing. It needs to be marketed more. They're very simple wins, I think, that we can learn from our colleagues in the GAA or and rugby. Absolutely. Very few people can identify with players who are playing for their local club. Um, who are they? They they don't. But Alan, you know, we need this for the cup final. This is a prime example. You've the the yeah. dream cup final. You've you've Michael well, Duffy, Patrick McElhenney, Graham Burke, best Jack players Byrne. in the country playing. Um, and where are the billboards? Or where yeah. is the promotion of this? I've no. said this. I've said it before. I work in a bank who would have been very strongly supported um, GAA players over the years. Sean O'Gohalpin, Michael Fenley, John Gardner. Um, Brian Cullen when he came in with Dublin, Ray Boyne, um, man who you've spoken to I think before, Johnny. Stats man. Right, absolutely. But they encouraged people um, to, to continue sport, but they also promoted those particular individuals as ambassadors for the bank, but this is the sport that they played in that particular area. So the club's got a benefit, the county's got a benefit. League of Ireland clubs, they're not all professional, but there's plenty of guys who are because the profile is young, they're in college, they have time, they mm -hmm. should be put out front and centre as being the local man who plays for Pats, for Bowes, for Cork, for Sligo, whoever it is. And the clubs, I would imagine, if they were given direction and resources to do that, they can't do it themselves, they shouldn't look for someone to do it all. Do it on a combined basis with local RDOs, local FAI regional managers, whatever it happens to be, to promote that club in that particular area and build it up for games, be it a big... Dublin Derby or a big Cork Munster Derby or a cup final as you say but do it on a consistent basis so there's some identify you know kids can identify with their yeah. local fella who plays for Dundalk or Pats I, and not to I GAA. completely agree Alan sorry to cut in you I completely agree and I think one of the things that has gone in our favour recently down in Cork is like our connection with kind of the business industry is, is, is improving the, the the sponsorship of UCC just in terms of credibility is, is massive it's absolutely massive down here um, so, uh, but what's lacking? What's always been lacking, and it's, going back to my books, what I've said has always been lacking is leadership from the FAI in respect of it. And like, if you think about it, if you know people aren't stupid, they'll know that if the league is properly being backed, being backed by the main governing association, the only governing association of football in, in in Ireland, or not, they'll know it. They'll see that. So if they're backing it, if they get their real corporate people behind the commercial, maybe um, you know sponsors behind the league properly. And not just the kind of, um, you know... Tokenism or lip service. Tokenism, yeah. You know, because there's huge benefit. I mean, if you think about with the women's game as well, that, that's coming in, um, and you've seen how the women's GA has gone around the country and how they've made that work. There's huge, there's really huge uh, opportunities there. But all that being said, 
let's let's see the proofs in the pudding. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's a, bit, it's a big period ahead, and I suspect you will come back. But just before we let you go, Neil, I'm just wondering from your diary features in the books, have, have you ever had many complaints from people who featured? Uh, from your very um, distressing room. Alan, you talking about Alan Matthews? Well, no, Alan Matthews actually just happens <laughs> to be here. I was going to ask him how he yeah, ever actually complained. His lips earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had no, much feedback on subjects? Uh, the way I do the interviews, <laughs> I, I, I get the people to, to to read to make sure they're happy with the interviews before they go out. You know, that's that's one no, of the, the rules stuff. of journalism. You don't do that because then it sanitizes and you're writing oh, not the all the diary stuff. Yeah, no. well, like, stuff, I'm thinking yeah. Dennis Bean. I'm thinking I'm thinking Dennis Bean. Like, has Dennis Bean ever realized? Yeah, Dennis. I had to give Dennis a few free copies each year, you know, <laughs> yeah. as a minimum, to keep he, him happy, you know. But um, I, I, and a few bags of sweets. Dennis loves his sweets. Dennis was know. the original <laughs> man who called himself Marmite. <laughs> he, he was the original he, he man, knew that, and like. he said that himself. Yeah, he said. I think uh, Hoggy would agree with me on that one. I, I actually, I, I would. I was, I was taking the piss earlier. I really enjoyed your your books and very well written as well. Thanks. But the um, if Dan may have one question or, or two. Before well, I was we, just going to say. I mean, Alan, how do you? I mean, I know it's. Really I'm conscious of time, but like your own time at Cork, I mean, you actually left your job or took a break from your job took to, a career break, to go yeah. there. Like, how do you reflect on, on I that loved experience it. now? Uh, and Hoggy, I think, will we'll maybe agree, maybe not. Yeah. I, I went in, and I think the first thing I said, it was a pleasure and an honour to stand in front of that group of players, to be down here as their, as their manager and to be full-time. I love the football part of it. I love getting out on the training ground. Um, we were training twice a day for, for you know a long period of time. I loved interacting with the players on a daily basis. Um it was grand up to about the March, April. Then we had problems, and then by June it was gone. We didn't get played. Pro- problems would be a bit of a euphemism, now. Yeah, yeah, it just it <laughs> went off the edge. So it was very difficult. But the players, we, we all stuck together. Um, none yeah, of we us rallied got paid. really. Uh, I think you, you know, didn't really. We did, Neil, and it was really yeah. good. There was the supporters. I was at the first meeting. You were probably at it up for us. Yeah, and yeah. We all made an effort. Um, are my sprinklers still on the training ground down there, by the way, Huggy? <laughs> they are. Well, going by Bishopstown. Yeah. Your sprinklers? You yourself, yeah, private. I'll tell you that off air, right? Um, well, I'm guessing you bought, you bought the sprinklers. I couldn't possibly comment on something like that, but you might. Um, but we, we all rode in, and um, we, we, you know, we had, I think, 10 points deducted off us, but we were still up around the top end of the table. We went... I don't know. Nine games, Dave Mooney scored two goals for us yeah. per game, and we ended up having to sell him. As I said, David Moyler was sold. And um, we finished the season by winning the Satanta Cup. We brought, we, as in the football side of it, by the sale of players and by winning the Satanta Cup, brought a lot of revenue into the club. Mm. And I, you know, it beggars me how it was so badly ma- managed you going me- forward. You mentioned the crossroads, um, Hoggy, in terms of the league, yeah. but this is the crossroads for Cork City because John Caulfield gave a very inter- interesting interview on um, the Grace League, the World podcast, obviously, where he spoke about his style and how he, it was to suit the players that was there and it was kind of hard not to agree with him in one sense, but Neil Fenn doesn't have that style of football. You saw against Bowes last week, they lost the game, but I thought there were a lot more encouraging signs. Reading an interview with him recently where he said, I've already told some players they're not around next season it might be affecting their performance how like, there must be a real sense of concern in Cork at the moment you've, you've, you've actually lost 16 of your 33 games which is effectively half yeah I think concern is probably the wrong word if I, if I would say it Johnny I suppose there's concern up till Friday night if I'm honest right if it, um, the overall feeling that I have and other people have is that they'll be okay mm. okay but but that, look that's not guaranteed so if they're okay then the idea is that you know Finn has come in early which was the decision I suppose to put him in instead of John Cotter which was which was a difficult decision for them to make but I mm. suppose the positive side of bringing him early he's had a chance to look at all these players now and and make the changes for next year. So 
I would say actually there's there's a lot of optimism, and I'm not I'm not just saying that. Um, it's particularly about Neil Fenn and what he brings in terms of football style. As you said, you can see it already. It's a different animal to what John Caulfield had, and, and that's no you know, that's nothing to do with John yeah. Caulfield. I mean, what he brought for the club. It was actually probably one of the most crucial times in the club's history that we were successful just to bring back the idea that we were the, still the same Cork City club after going you know holding company being liquidated liquidated and all that. So that was crucial. Now it was probably the time. Ideally, we're looking into next year not getting relegated or being in a playoff and um, Fenn bringing in his style of football like he he played in the testimonial against that with Alan Bennett's testimonial and his touch was still unbelievable um, there, everyone was commenting on it and he, he kind of plays that or his style of management is that way as well as far as I can see he kind of wants fellas to play attractive football yeah. um, and, and, and honestly people are excited about that but just kind of are waiting for them to be safe. It needs time. Um, um, yeah, we, yeah. We, we do need to wrap up, but will you give us two free copies of your book that we can give Absolutely. away? Absolutely. I'm yeah. really thinking that. No problem. Great Actually, minds. I'll give you um, two free copies, a new one, and, and, and I'll give you one of the other ones as well, the one that Alan features in. Oh, <laughs> right. That's it's like a, it's like, it's like a selection club, box. Because right? we, we, we <laughs> will be giving box. away two Air Sport box tickets for the FAI Cup final as well. Stay tuned, but uh, this is obviously a far better prize. You can get Hoggy's books, although considerably less it seems than you give to... Um, um, Dennis Bean. Dennis Bean. All right, listen, Neil. Thanks for coming <laughs> thanks, on guys. the show. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dan. I think we're just we're, we're, we're going to plow on through. We'll the, plow on. We're going to keep just, Alan in for our Q and A's. I, I, actually, I, I just yeah. noticed from from last week there were seven games. Four teams managed to, of the four team managed to to actually score. If, is that right? And that was a high scoring weekend yeah. compared to I think the weekend before that as well. Yeah, including the Watford game in against fact, Sligo. I mean, I mean, you know, Pat Hubin is top of the goal scoring charts with 13, I think he's, with thirteen goals. I he's got he one scored, goal in ten. I think he scored seven from play this season. If that's right, six yeah. penalties and seven from but play. But it's, it's more just generally like Michael mean, Duffy, eleven goals with, with thirty three games into the season. I mean, if you had a twenty goal try, like that old expression of you need a twenty, 20 goal season. Yeah. If, that, if that player Dave existed, Mooney back in the day, yeah. Uh, yeah. Team, was it was Mooney on a good goal bonus at the day or something? Was that one of the, the stories around the time Mooney was on something per goal? Yeah, and he was doing, yeah, he was doing okay. He delivered. He scored. I can tell you now, twenty two goals in twenty nine matches or something right. like that. He scored he, an unbelievable record. And yeah. it was as we were talking with Hoggy there. I think for nine games on the spin, he scored two goals. That's incredible. Yeah, no, he he had someone just retired recently. Well, yeah. retired from professional football after a, after a, an excellent career. But, but there um, you go. That's reflective. You look at Hoban, who's top of the table, and they've done they've won the league relatively easily. Scored thirteen goals. Yeah, he hasn't had a great goal scoring season. I mean, his, his his feats last year were incredible. But I mean, you look at the the Mooney, the Shawnee Maguire season. Um, like any striker that had really hit fire would have made a difference to their team this year. And those players just aren't around. I see Ronan Cochran just signed the new deal with Sligo Rovers. Looks like a very good player. Um, he's an established player now, I guess. But those strikers are in. There's probably a premium on all these guys now because they're in. They're in such demand. But this week, as we. Uh, we should mention, of course, Longford Cabinteely finished yeah. nil all last week, and to be decided this week, um, the second leg. Um, Waterford played Sligo Rovers last night in the back game because Waterford, I think, must be engaged in the Chocolate Cup again this week. They so, are. Um, so this week we just got three games: Cork City, as we mentioned, can resolve all relegation issues with a Cork win. Bows against the Dog, European battle, and then Shamrock Rovers, Finn Harps, um, and and they are a game. Pat's Derry obviously rescheduled due to. Uh, international call-ups for Derry. For Derry, yeah. So uh, we should move on to our questions. Uh, Honourable mention to Trevor Clark as well, who had, did unbelievably well for Rotherham last night. Yeah, he came back um, after... I mean, he's, he's probably come back sooner than... 
might have been anticipated mm. when he got the injury when he went over there. So, Him and Kieran uh, sadly are both scoring really good goals in Rotherham Doncaster. Yeah. Now, so we threw out, we threw out questions to the floor or to the, to the Twitter audience, and now we're going Dan to and I want to play a game of five. We're trying side. to play we five. Side. Adam Matthews has watched it. This Go is not on. a high. This is not a high tempo game. There's going to yeah. be more intensity getting there at this stage. Yeah. Actually, I've seen them the before. So it's all about the intensity, Dan. Shane Supple did send in. This one is for Johnny. Which song reminds you the most of your life? It's good to have a, a, a question from a regular pundit. Um. It'd be something bleak from Joy Division, anyway. Right. Okay. Yeah. Probably. Um, probably, heart, probably heart and soul. Blue Monday. No. We'd have to go for Blue Monday. Wouldn't be a bad show. Not bad. We have to yeah. go for a quick fire. Do you think Bo has overachieved this season, Matthew O'Brien? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, so. That's nice and snappy. Um, the Doc and Shamrock Rovers says Sean Cotter have arguably the strongest squads in the league. However, is there any players in the league that would improve each team? That's a difficult question. I think. Um, Danny Mandrew would improve the two of them. Mm. I would think. Yeah. It's a good answer. I think, I think Dara Leahy would improve the two of them. Yeah, Leahy is definitely. I, I actually prefer Sean Cavanagh, funnily enough. There you are. Um, yeah, but, like but, he, but he's at Shamrock Rovers at the moment already. So yeah, can't he, I'm not sure he'd improved. That's what I'm saying. I don't think Leahy would. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a valid yeah, point. I'm trying to think. Um, a bit of chat about Greg Sloggett at mm. Derry City. Ju- uh, Junior is a good player for Derry. Yeah, he's, he's on, a good player. On loan from Colchester. Um, um, and, um, oh, obviously, the, the obvious one um, Zach Albuzetti. Zach, well, yeah. back, back in the Watford fold, bombs but, it at the But the thing game. is that Zach, it would appear that Zach and Dara Leahy, who were in the 21 setup, possibly have might be looking to England more than moving to yeah. one of the top two. And that Fair seems enough. to be a, a thing. Uh, Dave Burgess, given the work they've done with a very young Bowes team, are Keith Long and Trevor Crowley viable candidates to take over the 21s once Stephen Kenny steps up to the main job? I mean, I would think that the, the 20, that there's going to be a move up the ladder of Tom Moen. Um, yeah. You know, un- unless unless that. unless Jim Crawford or someone was to stay with the twenty ones, mm. and I, I think there's more likely to be an FAI. They've done that over the last couple yeah. of years. They've moved people up, and up the they'll come back down again. So I think, yeah, that's more like I, I think they've done an unbelievable job of always. I have to brilliant. Say. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Would they have said that they'd be thrown at the end of the season? Yeah. At the start, I and don't think in so. In terms of budgets, I think we can safely say they are absolutely above their weight. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Darren Castle, we're not going to get through all of these. Should the League of Ireland reintroduce something like the A Championship to give teams at the bottom half of the first division something to play for? Well, I suppose that's been floated now with this, with this split, the, the, the plate, plate competition. Yeah. You could throw in a couple of uh, the teams. Dundalk FC, Sydney. Um, it's Mark McGuinness. Who, Mark McGuinness. Who, He's been very good in terms of um, interaction with the show as well. Dundalk v Linfield in the Unite, the Union... Uh, Cup. What's your thoughts on the concept and predictions? Also, what's the minimum attendance figure you believe is required to make the FA final a success uh, from generally wider perspective? And offer an infield. One thing you should mention is a very good prize money for that, um, which just shows the potential that's there. Yeah, 50, 50 grand, grand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's just for the winner alone. They're um, trying to get televised coverage sorted for boat legs. I think there might be a chance. I think they were struggling a bit for for one of them, but it might not be the case. I, I'd be a little bit arrogant when it comes to League of Ireland against first for, uh, against the Irish League, but having watched Linfield against Carabaig, um, I, I had a lot of respect for that Linfield team. I still think. Dundalk would win over two games I think they would yeah. depends I mean I think it would be a mental adjustment for Dundalk I mean, they've got a cup final mm. on Sunday so there's either elation of the treble because mm. uh, no one's talking about a quadruple so it's mm. still not in the, yeah. the discussion yet and so either way they have to pick themselves minimum up minimum attendance Linfield of Shane Lavery in the Northern Ireland yeah. squad as well and, and Bastian Harry and, uh, minimum attendance I think you should be aiming for 40,000 I'm Agreed. not sure if it's realistic but I think that should be a target it's realistic uh, Realistic, I'm not sure if it's realistic in a everyone paying in sense. You're like, you can get 40,000, you're right. I think the first uh, cup final back at the Aviva, I, I did it for the radio, I think it was 36,000 yes, Rovers right. and Rovers. Yes, right. Shamrock that's and right. So this 
should certainly get 40. I, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I say realistic, I mean, if just market in the properly and if they make an event. If you do promotions properly, and, yeah. and get yeah. kids in, you can give you, a few you, Neil Horgan books you, away, you, you know. Can, you can, you yeah. can get over it. And I'm trying to think, any more, Noel Dalla, which Simpsons episode character most reminds Johnny of Galway and or the League of Ireland in general? That's, that's a tough, good question. That's a tough question. Otto? In what sense? Mo? Just kind of bums. I'm met a few Barney Gumbles after games. Barney O'Connell wouldn't be happy. Fair, but, but one of the greats, one of the greats. Former teacher of mine. There's been a few sides. No way. There's probably been a few size zero bobs as well at various times. They're no longer involved, of course. Let's move on, John. That's a wrap. We've got to go and play some very bad football. Alan, thanks a million for coming in. Delighted. More than welcome. Who wins the cup? I think Shamrock Rovers will do it. Oh, interesting. There's a call. There you go. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for all your questions. We'll be back next week for episode 36.